Jewish Latin Princess, Episode 36, Going Beyond, Living a Joyful, Richer Jewish Life. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast by Yael. Every week, get your dose of inspiration from the world's most uniquely talented Jewish women and from Yael herself. Seeking profound and practical ways to live a joyful, richer Jewish life? Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. And now, Jewish lifestyle expert and bilingual blogger at jewishlatinprincess.com, your host, Yael. Have you ever wondered if there's a spiritual dynamic going on that you're not well aware of? What are the Torah's mitzvot and how could they actually help me as a person? Is it really that important? Is my life and life around me all that I perceive with my senses? Well, if you've been listening to Jewish Latin Princess podcast or reading Jewish Latin Princess blog for a while, I gather that you have a grasp of the answers to those questions, as either they've been directly addressed by my guests, or I've written about it, or you can deduce these lessons indirectly from the conversations that I've had with my guests. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess. I'm your host, Yael Trush. Welcome back. Today, I have a special show for you. I'm back from Miami, where I went to speak in front of an audience of about 90 women at Chabad of Aventura, Florida. This was a joint effort among several synagogues in the Aventura area in which they've called, and what they've called Project Connect, a project of connection and inspiration for Jewish women, which will take place over the course of four months. I was this month's speaker and the opening speaker for Project Connect. I was fortunate enough that Chava Mann, one of the guests and coordinators of this beautiful event, was able to record me speaking, and so I can share with you what I shared with the ladies in Miami. I have to tell you, this event was of particular importance to me. First of all, because the lady who arranged for me to come down there, or who made the referral, and who initially conceived of the idea of Project Connect is my dear friend Hindi Rosenberg. Not only is she my friend, but I became observant with her and her family, yes, in her home, many, many years back in my early 20s. I've learned so much from her throughout the years, and since since then, she's been by my side as a source of constant support and inspiration. Second, Miami is now home to many friends from my early youth, people I know since college, people I know from my early 20s, friends who know me from way back when. In fact, this is why speaking in front of this audience made it even more nerve-wracking than usual. And I have to say, in the end, I loved every minute of it. I can't tell you how special it was to get together again with so many friends, as well as to meet so many new women. It was really beyond amazing. But I have to be honest, if I'm going to talk about something, I have to live it and breathe it myself, right? So for me, standing up there this one time was seriously going beyond. Here we go, ladies, going beyond, living a joyful, richer Jewish life. about speaking in Miami, more than usual. I think it's because people there, a lot of people, know me from way, way back. Like, really know me. I think, wait, where's Judy? Is Judy here? People know me since I'm 18, 19, right? So he says, you know, my husband has a way of looking at things from this very clear, untainted perspective. He says to me, he giggles and he goes, hmm, 
you mean people who love you from way, way back? It's all about perspective, right? He just made me smile and he warmed my heart. It's all about perspective. So thank you for being here. It really means the world to me. Old friends and, good, and new friends. When many years ago, I remember I went to Puerto Rico. I'm originally from Puerto Rico. Rumor has it I'm from Guatemala. Rumor has it I'm from Venezuela. But no, those are very lovely places, and I've been to both. But I'm from Puerto Rico, from San Juan. So many years ago, I remember I went back home to visit my family, and I was already quite observant. And by that, I mean, you know, the skirts and the longer sleeves, right? And so I was visiting my mother, and we decided we're going to go visit a very nice family friend. We've known her for years, my mother's friend. And we had a lovely visit. And as I'm getting, we're getting up to leave, she turns to me, and she says, I'm so delighted. It's you, just with a skirt. <laughs> and I said, duh. Like, what did you expect, right? I didn't say that, but that's what I thought. So... <laughs> After I'd been um, blogging for a few years, um, I started also a podcast, okay? And the podcast is by the same name as the blog, Jewish Latin Princes. And in the podcast, I interview Jewish women from all walks of life. And by that, I mean religious experience, religious education, doesn't matter. But basically, women who are out there using their God-given talents to transform the world for good. And we share their work and their stories. And I had a guest on my show. She was actually a very spiritual woman. She wasn't very observant. In fact, she's not married to a Jewish man or anything. And But she's very spiritually sensitive. So in, throughout the interview, I like to connect my guest's works with Jewish values. And I like to find the connection between what they're doing and perhaps their Jewish soul and Jewish teachings. And so we were able to get very deep in the interview. And she says to me at the end, yeah, El, you made me cry. And I said, I hope there were tears of joy. And she says, they were. Fast forward a few months after, I get a private message on Facebook from this woman. Now, mind you, we're not friends, meaning like I, I know her through somebody, but everything was arranged through her assistant. It's not like we had a relation, you know, that type of relationship. However, I get this text message from her, and she says to me, I wanted to let you know that I enrolled my son in Sunday school, in Hebrew school. And I was like, wow. And fast forward a few months later, I see on social media, she never, as I said before, really identifies herself as a Jewish woman, at least publicly, right? And she wrote something, I think there had been some, maybe some anti-Semitic attack in America, and she wrote something to the effect of, I know I never talk about my Jewishness on this platform, but today, as a Jewish woman, I want to say blah, 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 whatever it was. And again, I said, wow. And I wondered, I wondered, where is this coming from? Is her soul trying to find expression? Is it trying to find a voice? I had another lovely guest. Her name is Abby Pogrebin. And Abby is a journalist. And she is a phenomenal writer. And her latest book is called My Jewish Year. In the book, the book is a chronicle of an entire year where she immersed herself in the Jewish calendar. She learned about every holiday, and she observed all the Jewish holidays throughout a year. Okay, the popular ones and the more obscure ones, the ones that maybe not everybody knows about. And she went the whole nine yards, right? So she told me what it was like and what was the impetus for her doing this and chronicling this thing and putting together this book. 
And so finally, I asked her, Abby, do you think it came from your soul? Do you think your soul was calling at you? So she says to me, I love this question, but I'm scared of this question. And I said, what do you mean? She says, I don't have the vernacular to speak in those spiritual terms. But if I'm very honest with myself and with you, in my private moments and in my heart of hearts, I know that it came from a voice within me which I don't know how to put into words. According to Jewish mysticism, the true I, my true existence, is my soul. That's actually a real identity. In fact, the Alter Rebbe, the first Chabad Rebbe, and the author of the Holy Book of Tanya, which many of you might have learned. I know I have a friend here who just started actually teaching Tanya. Yay. Um, he makes a statement over there that has been quote, repeated millions, billions of times. I don't know. Precisely because I think it's, at the, it's the bedrock of the way we need to perceive reality as Jews. He says, a Jew has a divine spark, a divine soul. And he says, this soul is a chelak eloka mimal mamash. It's a piece of God, literally a piece of God above. It's not a figure of speech. It's not nice poetic license that he took over there. It's mamash a piece of God. And in fact, the entire book of Tanya is a discovery of who I truly am. It's, 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 it's meant for us to shift our perceptions and transform our lives so that we could actually go and live beyond what we can imagine. So if you haven't learned the book, I highly recommend it. It's the best self-help book out there, and trust me, I know them all. Sometimes my, my husband looks at my bedside table and gets a little worried, I think. He's like, uh, is there something about this shit that they should have told me? <laughs> like, hello. <laughs> um, Yael Toledo, are you here? Where's Yael? Well, I know Yael has a beautiful manual, um, and it's a 30-day workbook where, you know, also it's about self-discovery and so on. So when my husband saw me hanging out with this little thing for 30 days, he was like, okay, now I'm starting to get worried. Um, there was a student of Freudian psychology who once went to the Lubavitcher Rebbe, and he told them, I've been learning Judaism, and I've been learning that we have this soul, this beautiful soul, and that that's a real identity. Yet, I'm a student of Freud, and Freud talks about the id. And this id has a lot of cuckoo stuff in there. Sometimes things don't look so nice, right? So which one is it? What am I missing here? Is it... Is it the way Judaism explains it? Like, what, what, what's, what's, what am I missing? So the Rebbe says to him, sure, if we dig deep into a person, into ourselves, we're going to see a lot of schmutz, a lot of little things and drives and things that perhaps don't look so holy, right? But it's like when you dig the earth. When you dig the earth, there are layers upon layers of mud and different textures and different colors. But if you dig deep enough, what do you find? Find diamonds, exactly. Freud found the id, but had he dug deeper, he would have found the yid. When we find the yid, when we identify with, when we connect with, 
when we give expression to that pure soul of ours, that chelak elokami mal mamash, a whole new reality emerges for us. We're a group of faithers too. I think we know each other like like seriously, right? <laughs> it's been many many years. We were we're here from many many places, many journeys, right? I don't know a Jew born a Jewish woman born in Venezuela who ended up living in Miami. Maybe an Israeli woman who went to the army. Maybe a Jewish woman who was not born Jewish and discovered Judaism. Somebody who studied in Boston ended up here. Whatever it is, right? We each had our journeys and and have our journeys. And that comes with a lot of talent and our learning, our experiences, our abilities, right? And we each have this part of God, okay? And each and every one of us throughout our journey is channeling God into the world in the unique way that only each and every one of us can, okay? And it's very distinct. We have like a soul print, like a fingerprint, but it's a soul print. I once heard Rabbi David Aaron, I think it was him, who said in the name of the Arisal, the great 16th century Kabbalist in Spas, that the Arisal used to do this very cool meditation with people whereby he would see, he would be able to see certain things about the unique way that that they could express their soul in the world, the way that their service of Hashem was meant to be, etc. So I'm not the Ari, so I can't tell you exactly what it means, and I'm not going to pretend to be him, but I found it so interesting that I'm going to do this with you, okay? And here's what I want you to do. I want you to visualize in your mind's eye. You could keep your eyes open if you want to. You could close them down, uh, close them, close them, and doesn't, it doesn't matter as long as you see it. I want you to visualize the four-letter name of Hashem, okay? So the Yud, the He, the Vav, and the He. You see it? Yeah? Okay. Raise your hand if you could tell me, please share with us, what color were your letters? Any brave soul, please? Yes, honey? Okay. White, okay. Black, anybody else? Yes. Black, yellow. Gold, purplish, gold. Green. <laughs> Light yellow, okay. Anybody have background to your letters? You had a white background? You had white. You had black. And what were your, your letters? There were white on black. What else? Okay, okay, yes. Oh, she's explaining. Okay. So <laughs> you realize that none of you have seen the four-letter name of Hashem anywhere else but a sitter. Black letters on white paper. Yet everybody here saw different things. Yes, some people saw black on white. Some saw white on black. Some saw gold. Some saw light yellow. Um, there were other colors. I know we, I did this before, and I've heard pink, I've heard green, I've heard green and blue, all sorts of strange and beautiful combinations. And of course, I'm not the Ari, so I wish I would be cool enough to be able to tell you what that means. Like, if you're black with pink and you're blue with purple, you know, here's what I can tell you. I can't do that. But what I can tell you, or what this just, in a very surface level, lets shows me is that we're all unique manifestations of that four-letter name. 
We're endless manifestations of God. Every new person that comes into the world is a new facet, a new manifestation of God. We each have that special soul print. And the question is, are we going to give that soul expression? Are we going to manifest godliness in the world? And the truth is, according to our tradition, we should feel phenomenal about ourselves because we're a channel for something about God that nobody else in history can do. Moses couldn't do it, right? Nobody will ever be able to do it but you. And the matrix couldn't do it. And if they couldn't do it, for sure their husbands couldn't do it, right? That's a little bit heretic. But, um, so why do we waste our time comparing ourselves to other people, right? So we had to stop with the comparisons because each of us, we bring a facet of Hashem that only each of us, of us can do, okay? So stop with the comparison. Stop with the Instagram feed. You know, Instagram is not a reality. It's not a place. You know, it says in Kabbalah that this world is actually not a place. It's a perception. It's not a reality. So all the more so, Instagram isn't. Although if you follow Sylvia Cohen, where are you? Maybe she had to leave. You should follow her Instagram feed. And if you don't, thank me later. <laughs> but um, stop with the comparisons because the truth is, we owe it to all of us and to God to channel the unique aspect of God that we are meant to channel in the world. I've been asked many times why I started Jewish Latin Princess. And I would say several things. To share with other Jewish women the endless possibilities by which we can integrate Judaism and Jewish spirituality into our everyday lives. To share that Judaism is not an afterthought. It's not something that we bring out of the confines of our brain once or twice a year. This is who we are. Being Jewish is part and parcel of everything we do and engage with in this very physical world. We're not, we're not just bodies with a soul. That may be true. But what I've found throughout my life and my experience, not just personally, but as I interview other women and interact with other women, is Really, we're a soul with a body. And this, this soul can and should be expressed in everything that we do. She doesn't just show up in a beautiful white dress on Yom Kippur. We have this beautiful morning prayer, this beautiful um, prayer that we say when we wake up. Those first few seconds of consciousness Right? And if you take those 12 words and you analyze them, it's the most amazing, empowering thing. You say this. You say, I'm thankful to you, living and eternal king, for you have mercifully restored your soul within me. Your faithfulness is great. Now, first of all, we're grateful people. That in and of itself is a key ingredient to joy and happiness in life, right? And not only the Torah has been saying it for thousands of years, but you can go ask all the Harvard experts like, I don't know, Talbot Shachar and Gretchen Rubin and all those people. The first thing they're going to talk about, the happiness experts, is gratitude, right? Second of all, and this is where I'm always fascinated, I don't know about you ladies, you're probably all wonderful and very chilled, you live in Miami and it's a beautiful place and just, you know, I forgot how things 
role in Miami. Everything is just so pleasant. <laughs> and, but me, I'm not always so great. I'm full of flaws and, you know, I have my own things and I'm sometimes maybe not so nice and, you know, I mess up, right? Not perfect. Yet, God, the creator of the universe, decided to give my soul back to me. He has faithfulness in me. He trusts me, right? I guess if we're all here, and Baruch Hashem, we are, we have what to give. We have what to offer the infinite. We have what to offer his world. And that's just the beginning of our day. That's just a tiny little thing in Jewish life. Now, it's not, it's, it's not, you don't have not deep learning. It's not a profound lifestyle change. It's not like you say a hundred days of Madiani and then a wig pops on your head. You know, it doesn't, doesn't work like that, right? But it's life altering at the same time. And it's also such a good antidote to depression. I mean, if that doesn't get you out of bed, that the creator of the world wants me here, despite all my handicaps and all my imperfections, I don't know what will. Granted, I'm a total morning person, like, so obnoxious. I don't even know. I, I'm too embarrassed to tell you what time I get up, but it's, it's pretty obnoxious. Um, there was once a man who walked into a room, and he sees a boy on his hands and knees on the floor. And he asks him, what are you looking for over there? So the boy says, oh, I lost my coin. Oh, so I'm going to help you. Tell me, where'd you lose it? So he says, oh, I lost it over there. So, so why are you looking for it here? Oh, because there's more room here. Very often, we're looking for something in the place that has more room, that is more comfortable, that feels better, and not in the place where it's actually going to be. I had a guest on my show, her name is Wendy Sachs, and she wrote a book, Fearless and Free. And so I asked Wendy in the interview, talk to me about the connection between growth and getting uncomfortable. And she says to me, 100% based on my research is a direct correlation between both. She says, in fact, when I wrote the chapter on my book about that same topic, I, I borrowed a term that was coined by the Navy SEALs. And the term is, get comfortable being uncomfortable. And I said, Wendy, that's just so true of Jewish life. In fact, this week's Parsha by Divine Providence by Ashkach Pratis actually discusses this same idea. It's Vayeshev. And basically, Yaakov settles. He wants to settle. He's finally, after years and years of, of, of turmoil and just things that he had to go through, he finally settles in the land. And he wants to settle. He wants tranquility. But it says over there in the first Rashi that it wasn't so, doesn't quite like, like that. Hashem didn't really agree with that concept. There were things to do. There was more that he had to go through in life. And I was learning some of the mystical teachings on this, on this particular, um, verse. And I, over there I read that God wanted to offer Yaakov an even more profound degree of tranquility than that which he had rightfully earned by overcoming Laban and Esav and Shem, right? Allowing Yaakov to fulfill his divine mission in an even more profound way. And I said, wow, if there's something I've seen throughout my interviews with Jewish women is that all of them, 
not only that they have overcome something and turned some darkness into light, it's not even just that. It's that throughout that process, they're always putting themselves in an uncomfortable place to take them further and further, not just for themselves, but also as they're making other people's lives better. So they have learned to be in that place of uncomfortability, let's just say. I shared with my husband a little bit of the topic that I was called out to talk to you today, and he says, oh, you have to watch this Living Torah video from a couple of weeks ago. And in it, the Lubavitcher Rebbe quotes his father-in-law's father, the Rebbe Rashab. And the Rebbe Rashab, this was, when I heard this, you know, I said to myself, TEDx has nothing on our holy sages and on our Torah. I mean, this was like, and I'm a fan of TED Talks, but this is like beyond, okay? So listen to what the Rashab says. He says, our godly calling is dafta out of your comfort zone. That is where you fulfill your mission, and there you will find satisfaction, not only spiritually, but materially. I had a guest on my show. Those of you who are from Venezuela probably know her. Her name is Shirley Varnagi, and she's a very famous um, Venezuelan journalist, reporter, and she told me in, an, in that interview, a very powerful interview, that many times throughout her life, she had been tested, particularly when, particularly when it came to Shabbat and her career. And there was one particular instance where she was, she went to a casting for a very good position. And of all the hundreds of people who went to that casting, Shirley got the job offer. Now, this wasn't just the job offer, okay? This was a job offer with a multinational. She's a young reporting reporter rising in the ranks in a very difficult industry, in a very difficult economy. It was going to be paid in dollars, but there was just this tiny, tiny little detail she had to film on Shabbat. And so she was very, very torn because this is this amazing career opportunity and this thing called Shabbat. And so she finally decides she's not going to take the offer. Now, the man at the other end of the phone, this big executive, was not very happy, right? What chutzpah does this young girl have? Like, who rejects such an offer? In fact, he hung up the phone on her. And it wasn't like Shirley was very comfortable. It wasn't like she was so at peace with her decision. Oh, yay, look what I've done for God. No, she was very torn. Who does what I just did? It's not normal. Right? No rational human being, no rational, thank you, no rational human being does this. Well, two days later, I don't even think two days had passed, she gets a phone call from the same executive. Mind you, he hung up on the phone on her before. That's how upset he was. She says to me, Yael, it was beyond anything that I could have imagined. It was from God. There's no other way to explain it. Not only was it paid in dollars, obviously, not only did I not have to work on Shabbos, but it was my own show, her own show, Shirley, that took her career leaps and bounds, right? She said to me that. It was beyond my imagination. So I asked her, you know, you obviously have this connection with Shabbos. Are there other things that you practice in our tradition that are very meaningful to you? And she says, yes, there's two things that I do and that I always do them. I always write the name of God in the upper right-hand corner of my script. 
And every day before I go on the air, I say Shema Israel. And I said, Shirley, why do you say Shema Israel? And she says, because I learned in Judaism that the most powerful organ in the body is the mouth. And so I asked Hashem that every day when I'm going to open my mouth on the air, that the words should be for good. And they should create good. A story is told of the great Rabbi Levi Yitzhak of Berditsha, who was one day looking at the town square, and he sees people flying through, you know, Grand Central Station in Manhattan, right? Just flying, flying through. And he finally stops a man, and he asks him, excuse me, what are you running after? What are you rushing for? So he, clearly the man was very annoyed because after all he's rushing, he says, I'm running to make a living. I'm running, you know, I have to make a living. It's my parnasa. And so Rabbi Levi Yitzhak of Radichev says, what makes you so sure that your livelihood is in front of you? Maybe it's behind you. Maybe you should stop and let it catch up to you. We travel so fast that sometimes we completely miss the view. We're looking, we're looking for richness, both materially and spiritually, for depth, for joy. Where do we find it? If we would slow down a little bit, we would listen. We would hear our soul. Judaism has this interesting way of forcing us to slow down. And I have to say, it took me many years to get used to this because I'm just kind of like a doer person. I'm always going and it's, you know, and there's this thing called Shabbat and, you know, you got to stop. And like Abby Pogerman told me in the interview, it seems like every five days there's another Jewish holiday, you know. But it's not only that. It's even the little things. You're starving. Oh, wait, can I eat it? Can I not eat it? Is it, good? Is it food fit for my soul and for my body? And you can't just dive in. Right? And then you have to say another blessing. And you're ready to crash in bed, right? We're all mothers. We have hectic lives. Like, all these little things. You get a new client, and you get a payment, and you're like, yes, Nordstrom sale, right? I need a pair of shoes. Not so fast. 10% of that, right off the top, it's not yours, it's not going to Nordstrom, you're an agent of God, right? It's good, it's good. Hashem is entrusting you with that money because it's needed for some somebody else, right? So it's slowing us down. It's not ways. You know, Judaism is not going to give us um, the fastest route because it's not about speed, it's about the journey. And it's about paying attention throughout the journey. We have to listen. And the ways lady talking every minute, it's just way too distracting. So you have to grab the good old map. You know, they're like ancient relics. My mother-in-law, she loves road trips, and she actually uses maps. So she decided that for her, for her 80th birthday, we're all going to go from Houston, Texas, on a road trip to Florida. And I'm thinking... And I said, buddy, who's driving? Oh, I try, I'll drive. I love, I love road trips. And I'm thinking, my husband with the waves, Bubby with the maps, I'm flying there, people. I'll just meet you in Florida. This is just not going to work, right? Judaism is making us into mindful human beings, into agents of God, 
into individuals who can take care of our, their soul as much as their body, into women who can allow the innermost part of ourselves to find expression in our physical existence. The guest on my show this week, an interesting woman, she's actually an expert in marital intimacy. You should go listen to her. She told me something so beautiful. She said to me, don't look for the way to happiness, but the happiness along the way. Stop looking for God, for happiness, for meaning. Stop and listen to your soul. Listen to what it needs you to do. God is not somewhere else. God is right here. It's in your soul. And your soul is saying things. And you know what it's saying? It says, hey, I'm right here. I want expression. I want to flourish. I want to work with you. Give me a mitzvah, please. You know, allow me to express myself. When I got here yesterday, the first thing I looked for when we got to a restaurant was the plug for the charger, right? I don't know about, again, Miami, everybody's so relaxed, so I don't know how it works here, but everywhere else, we're just obsessed with the charger for our cell phone. Like, if you leave, you know, does it ever happen to you that you leave your house, you're going to be gone for a few hours, and you realize that you left your charger, right, right? It's, it's honestly, it's anxiety inducing, right? I need the ways and I want to listen to the podcast. That's a good thing. And there's Facebook and there's WhatsApp beeping every five minutes. And how is, huh? And the kids, all right, they're calling, right? How is this going to work? It's all going to be good. Yeah, El Trush told me I have to be an optimist, right? Think good, it'll be good. I have 70%, I'm going to be fine. So then it hits to 30% and you really decide that you should not be checking Facebook on every streetlight, which we shouldn't, right? And we all do it. And then it comes to 10% and we're not even answering our husband's phone calls, but maybe we don't answer our phone. Maybe that's a good thing. Ladies, answer your husband's phone calls, please. <laughs> you know, you don't want to talk to him. Just this is what you do. You text him, not while you're driving. You text him and you tell him, Love, I hired a babysitter for tonight. We're going out to dinner. And you go out and you talk to the man. And you please leave your phone behind. I mean, that's also part of it, right? But anyway, the point being that we need to, we need that charger. We need to plug. We need to plug. Jewish ladies, we need to plug to infinity, right? The word mitzvah comes from tzavta, from connection. When we do a mitzvah, we're connecting to the infinite. We're literally plugging to God himself, to infinity. And by default, we're allowing ourselves, so to speak, to be infinite, to go beyond what we think we can imagine, right? Or what we think we can, what we can imagine. When we start connecting and operating, let's say from God's vantage point, you will not only see reality in a different way, but you'll actually experience reality in an entirely different way. I was talking to a friend last night exactly about this point, right? She was telling me how it's shown up in her life. Tonight is Yutes Kislev, and many of you might know, it's the day of the release of, from prison of the Alter Rebbe, whom I mentioned before, and it's actually a very happy day. His release from imprisonment actually on spiritual terms, really meant something very big for the Jewish people because it meant that there's an approval that the, the, the wellsprings of his teachings of Jewish mysticism should really go into the world. And we now as a nation can accept, can learn them, can apply them into our lives. 
So not only is it a very auspicious day, but it's also a very festive, happy day for all of us. And so last year, precisely at this time of day, I was not very festive. I told you, I'm really, <laughs> I have my flaws. In fact, I was having a meltdown, the proportion of my preteen kids type of meltdown, okay? And I'm going to tell you soon what was going on. So basically, usually I do something very nice with the children and my husband. We have a meal, and there's usually a community event, and it's just, everything is nice. That year, the heads of our community had, for whatever reason, decided there was not going to be a real community event. Everybody should do their thing in their home, but it would be very nice, and they called upon several families, if we would invite other community members, particularly families who maybe would not otherwise celebrate at home, maybe they wouldn't get invited, and we would share our experience and our joy with other community members. So that's all good and fine. However, I didn't buy into this program immediately, and I'm going to tell you why soon. I waited till the very last minute, and that's totally unlike me. And I did it intentionally, because I was hoping this was not going to happen in my home. But God had other plans. So I get a call from my friend. I need you to take this family. I can't squeeze them in. And then another call. And then, long story short, before I knew it, I had 25 people coming to my home that night. And normally, that would not face me one bit. It really, that's just one of the things that doesn't stress me. Other things do. That doesn't really face me. However, at this particular time that year, my husband and I were going through a very tough financial situation. And it's just the ups and downs of life. And But normally, I wouldn't also stress about it. But this one time, I was actually particularly stressed about finances. And I didn't know, in my mind, how could I incur this huge expense? Well, it's not that huge, but it was something that we hadn't budgeted for. I knew we didn't have the cash flow coming in to cover it. And I was just like literally like having an anxiety attack. Okay? All right. My friend Joycey calls. She says, oh, I'm calling because I'm actually going to an event in another community. I have roast out. Can I put it in the oven for you, Yael? Because it's already defrosted and it's really very big. And I was like, uh, yeah, really? Just, yeah, yeah, just come pick it up at four. Okay, miracle number one. Then I open my text message from a friend who says, we made too much food, my mother-in-law doubled up, she didn't get what we were making, I have way too much food, can you come take? Okay, I'll take. Then my friend calls, she says, I had a Chabad house program last night, there are way too many hot dogs and buns, can you please take them? Okay. Mind you, before I knew it, that my friend in China texts me through WhatsApp because she's a day ahead. She sends me all these cute activities for the children. Before I knew it, within an hour, this whole thing that I had worked myself up about, up about was completely solved, like manna from heaven, literally. Okay, so we had a lovely evening. It was super fun. Everybody had a great, great time. It was engaging for the kids. It was engaging for the adults. Amazing. I finished in such a high. Also, my husband, you know that feeling that you get when you've actually helped other people. And it was just really, we were super uplifted. And I crashed on the couch, and my husband's clearing the room. All the furniture had been moved around because we had to do it in our living room. And I see these little chachki, these little menchi, stretchy dolly, like a stick figure type of thing. And I look at it, and I start playing with it, and I tell my husband, Love, when I leave this world, make sure to write in my tombstone, she was so skinny because she stretched herself constantly. 
and we had a good laugh, and that was it. The menchi and the stretching. Okay, what I'm about to tell you, I wouldn't believe it if it hadn't happened to me. I woke up the next morning, and I opened our bank account. God knows why. That's, I guess, how stressed I was about money. I don't know. I opened our bank account, and there had been a deposit made for over $30,000, seemingly out of nowhere. What was the backstory to the money? Months before that, my husband, who used to live in China, got a call from his rabbi. And he told them the story of this very lovely Jew, a non-Jewish Chinese man who had become very close with him. And finally, after many months, he really wanted to give him a chance. He's very genuine. He really, really is going to convert. And he needs somebody to teach him properly. And so he said, I have the right man for you. Um, and so he called my husband. My husband speaks Chinese fluently. And he said, please, would you take this on? And this meant that my husband, for many months, would wake up at 5 in the morning. I told you, we're morning people. And three or four times a week, he would go to mikvah. He would learn with this Chinese man. And it, then he would go daven. they go to work. This meant sacrificing his own learning very often, arranging his travel schedule, and so on. But over this period, they developed this lovely, wonderful friendship. And this man tells him one day, you know, I want to go to Israel for the first time. And I want to take a trip, let's say, like end of December, January. And I really would love it if you would take me. And he said to my husband, I'll pay for all your expenses. And I'll even pay for your time away from home, for your time away from work and your family. And my husband's like, sure, I'd love to take you to go with you, but you don't have to pay me. And he tells me, you know, my friend wants me to go to Israel with him. And I was like, cool, how come I don't get to go? <laughs> What's going on here? But yeah, sure, I mean, it sounds amazing, go. And that was the end of that. We didn't know anything else about this trip. Well, $30,000 plus came in because my husband was going to go with this man to Israel. Now, I'm not telling you to go make irresponsible financial decisions and incur expenses they shouldn't be incurring. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that things are not just what we think they are. What we perceive with our physical eyes, with our physical senses, there's a spiritual dynamic going on, and our souls are part of that, that dynamic. In fact, they're the protagonists. We just have to push them to the stage, kind of like me. I was telling my friend earlier today, you know that I'm actually an introvert. Like, I'd much rather sit behind my little Jewish books and self-help books and write my blog and, you know. But my soul has things to do, right? And you just have to go along with it and do what you need to do. You're needed by God himself. That's why he gave you a piece of him, of himself, to use in this world. And in order to do that, we're going to have to stretch ourselves out of our comfort zones from time to time, if not always. In the words of my dear husband, he told me the other day, he says, our service of God begins where our comfort zones end. Brilliant. By the way, Hindi Rosenberg told me to marry him. So not to marry him, but definitely to date him. So if you ever need a shida, he's really, really good at these things. Just saying. In that video that I told you before, the Lubavitcher Rebbe says the following. He says, 
Our true abilities are much greater than we imagine. All of our accomplishments, our progress, our growth, our advancements pale in comparison with what is truly possible. But we have to take our mission seriously. It merely requires you to recognize that you have a unique responsibility and to resolve to take action to actually fulfill it. Whenever I finish my interviews, in every Jewish Latin princess interview that I do, I wrap it up with the following questions. And they're really very simple questions, but I'm trying to leave my guest in a way that she's thought about or visited with this part of her that maybe she might or she might have not been in touch with before or recently. And I want to give the same to my listeners and I want to do the same for myself. So I ask these very simple questions, but that make us think, okay? And these, this is what the questions are. I say, this is um, so-and-so, whoever my guest is, and I feel most spiritual when. My favorite mitzvah or one that I connect with the most is... My fondest, sweetest Jewish memory is something I wish I'd learned about Judaism growing up is when I give tzedakah, I like to give to, and finally, I am so-and-so, and today I am most grateful for. And that's how we wrap up every interview. And again, it's really a way of being more mindful of that part of who we really are. Ladies, don't put your soul on do not disturb. Don't put God in do not disturb. Put the WhatsApp in do not disturb. You'll sleep much better, I'll tell you. It's really magical. I did it last night and I slept like a baby. It was like amazing. Mind you, I'm away from home, so nobody's climbing in my bed early in the morning. No, but I am a morning person. The more you connect with God, the more you're connecting to your true self. You're aligning yourself with who you truly are. I'm going to end with a story about two men, two friends, a Jewish man and a non-Jewish man. And one day, this non-Jewish man asked his friend, you know, do you ever ever feel like all these things that you have to do, you can't eat this and you can't eat that and you have to pray and you have to stop working? And Do you ever feel like it's, I mean, it's so restricting. It's like you're not free. It's holding you back. So his Jewish friend says, wow, that's an interesting question. Can I ask you a favor? Can we go to the roof of your house? So this man says, oh, my God, he's ready to throw me off the roof, right? <laughs> Somehow he trusts them enough that they go to the roof of his house. And they're walking on the roof of this non-Jewish man's house. And so the non-Jewish man gets to a certain point um, on the edge of the roof, let's say like a foot before the edge. And his friend says, why don't you go further? And he says, dude, because I'm going to fall. Oh, okay. Can we go to my roof? Okay, now he's really ready to kill me. This is just very bizarre. But okay, they go to the roof of the Jewish man. And of course, what do we find in a Jewish roof? There was a fence, exactly. If we have, we have a mitzvah that if we have a flat roof, we have to put a fence. So they're walking in the roof, and the Jewish man gets to the very edge of the fence. And he says, 
Look how far I can go. And look, I can even lean over. And so he says to you, his friend, the Torah is my fence. Its mitzvahs not only allow me to go where I need to go, but they allow me to go beyond where I think I can go. Go beyond yourself. Take yourself out of that comfort place. Go beyond. And if you're feeling a, feeling a little hesitant, you do what Michelle Pollard, my guest on my show, she's the creator of the No Fears movement, lovely, lovely, wonderful Jewish woman. She told me, this is what you do, Yael. Don't ask yourself, what's the worst that can happen? That's meant to hold you back. You ask yourself, what's the best that can happen? And I suspect the answer is going to be, you live a life of meaning and purpose. You live a, lot, a joyful, richer life. A life where you're aligning yourself. You're being one with who you truly are. Because you actually went beyond yourself. Now go do it. Thank you. What else can I say after that? Thank you so much, Yael, for a beautiful, beautiful, inspiring talk that I'm sure will resonate with all of us. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. If you're not familiar with the guests I mentioned in my talk, go back to the episodes and catch up. They're amazing interviews. Abby Pogrebin is on episode 15. Shirley Varnagi is on episode 17. Michelle Poller is on episode 26. And of course, Wendy Sachs is on episode 31. Um, of course, these are just a few of the interviews. I can't believe we're on episode 36, and all of my guests have been amazing. But these were just a few of the ones that I highlighted in that specific talk. And hey, bring me over. I'd love to head over to your town. I'm going to be in St. Louis next February, so it's time for me to start pre preparing for that. This week is jam-packed with activities for me, as I presume for most of you, because it's Hanukkah, which is such a beautiful time of year and a favorite around here in my household and I presume in many of your homes. So I hope you get to enjoy it with friends and family and don't forget to light the menorah on each of the eight nights of Hanukkah. If you haven't read my article on Hanukkah yet, go back to Jewish Latin Princess blog where I have an article that I wrote on the significance of Hanukkah and what it brings out in the Jewish people. I wrote this article for last year's Jewish Herald Voice and I decided to share it on the blog. As I know, many of you are not local and might not always get to read my column on Houston's Jewish newspaper, the Jewish Herald Voice. So it's up there on the blog. Enjoy it. And in the meantime, I hope you all have a happy Hanukkah full of light and joy. Thanks for listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes, leave a rating and share the podcast with the Jewish women you love. To access today's show notes, ask Yael a question, or suggest a uniquely talented Jewish woman to be featured on the show, visit JewishLatinPrincess.com.